And I hope that you all could sing it with confidence. If there's anybody here tonight that cannot sing that with confidence, we really want you to come to know Jesus better and realize that that's why he came, so that we can have confidence. We can go home and be with him. When I was a young boy, I'm not sure what age I was, but I wanted to go to a church camp where my cousin went. And they always had it every summer, the, his congregation, well, it was not just his congregation, but throughout Colorado, this particular congregation had these church camps for kids, and I, where I went, we didn't have church camp. And I really wanted to go, because I could be in the mountains, you know, Colorado, Rocky Mountains, woo We think this is God's country? That is more beautiful. But you are God's people, and so you are beautiful, right? And by the way, I love Lubbock. I love being here. And I tell people so many times, I wish I could go back to Colorado Mountains. And they're just right over there. But I haven't been there for several years. Isn't that crazy? But anyway, I wanted to go to this camp so bad. It was getting close. And I was out on a farm riding my bicycle, and I hit a, a rut, you know, a dirt a rut where my dad had drove through with his pickup and made a mess, and I hit it with my bicycle, and my foot got caught in the spokes of my bicycle, and I sprained my ankle, and I cried, and I hurt, and camp was right around the corner. And I knew my mom would let, not let me go with a sprained ankle if I was in pain. And so I prayed. I prayed earnestly every night. I mean, I prayed every day. I was praying to God, God, please make my ankle better. I want to go to church camp. I just want to go there. I just want to go there. Well, <clears throat> my ankle got better. I went to church camp, and it was the most miserable week of my life. Well, maybe not the most, but it was one of them. I did not have a good time. I, I mean, I had my elbows on the table, and I had some chant, you know, John, John, you know, get your elbows off the table business. This is not a horse's stable, and blah, blah, blah. And it's embarrassing. And, and then, you know, I, I didn't realize that, you know, they had the snack bar, and, and you could go get snacks any time of the day you want, well, most of the time of the day, if you wanted. And I just didn't have any money. And I was like, man, all these kids have all these snacks. And I don't have any money. I just felt so bad. And it was about the second to the last day. I figured out it just came with being a camper. So days I went by without getting snacks when I could have had them, I didn't realize how wonderful camp could have been. But I prayed and I wanted to be a part of that. You know, Jesus prayed for us that we would be a part of his eternal encampment of heaven. In John chapter 17, we have the Lord's, the real Lord's Prayer. I think our guest speaker mentioned this last uh, week. And it's been on my mind. I love this prayer of Jesus. You know, when you think about the Lord's Prayer, what do you, what do you usually think about? And I think he uh, brought that up. What is the Lord's Prayer? We think of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, you know, all that stuff. Give us this day our daily bread. That was a model prayer. He's teaching his apostles how to pray. That was not Jesus' prayer. 
Because he in it, he talks about forgiveness of sins or forgive us. Jesus had no sins to ask for forgiveness. His real prayer is found in John 17. If you turn your Bibles there, please. We are not going to go through this whole prayer because I, we just don't have time. As a matter of fact, Lord willing, I'd like to spend a few lessons on this prayer, letting God speak to us as God spoke to God. It's an amazing prayer. It's like fascinating where God the Son is in talking to God the Father and the audience, I mean, His apostles are right there. They get a glimpse and they listen to Him say this awesome prayer. Prayer is that which expresses the soul's longings to God. Just as I wanted to go to camp so bad, I let God know exactly what I wanted. And He allowed me to go. What is on your mind that you are asking God about? Expressing what's in your innermost being. Prayer is a cry to God, the Father, for His grace, for His help, for His guidance, His direction, His blessings, His good hand, His strong hand, His power to be around us, to be with us, to be in us, to work through us. Read Ephesians chapter 3. His power is to work through us. We need to pray for those things. The longest prayer recorded of Jesus is in John 17. It is majestic. It is glorious. It's profound. It's magnificent. And they had a front row seat as they watched Jesus. Let's read a little bit here. John 17. Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus spoke these things. That's what I've entitled this lesson. That's the first line of chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these things. God in the flesh spoke. We would do well to listen. Remember when he was on a transfiguration situation and Moses and Elijah were there and, and Peter saying, oh, wow, so this is awesome, it's good, we're here. And, and God you know, basically said, shh, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. There's a lot that just took place before this prayer. You see, this is right before they went to Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. This is what John records, this portion. If you, if you, want to, if you don't believe me, turn over to chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, the prayer, He went forth with His disciples over the ravine of the Kidron where there was a garden in which He entered with His disciples. That is where Judas 
betrayed him. So this prayer comes before that event. And this prayer comes after several things in, in John chapter 6, let's see, verse 13. What happened in John 13? The Lord's Supper. That last hour, that last feast. He said, the hour had come that he would depart out of this world to the Father. Chapter 13, verse 1. So the hour has come. Jesus asked God the Father to glorify the Son, that he may glorify the Father. So in other words, Jesus' life was about honoring God and giving him glory and magnificence. Now you cannot improve on the glory of God. God's glory, or his eminence, his radiance, his power, his majesty. There's nothing we can do to improve on that. But Jesus isn't, isn't doing that to to make his glory greater, it's to make it so he is glorified among men like us. That we would see his glory and his power, his magnificence, his radiance, his splendor, his holiness, and his love. So we had the Lord's Supper in chapter 13. And there we see Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And then we go on and we see he predicts his betrayal. In chapter 14, he comforts the disciples. Uh, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming as a helper. He talks about he is the vine, you are the branches. You need to stay connected to Jesus. He talks about a relationship to one another. We need to love one another as I have loved you. He talks about how the world hates us as it hated him. He promises again the Holy Spirit in chapter 16. He talks about his death and resurrection, chapter 16. And in chapter 17, we have the prayer. So a lot happened in those last hours. So Jesus prayed for the Father to be glorified. The hour had come, or the time for Christ to be glorified. Uh, that's back in chapter 12, also 23, verse 28 through 28. In John 17, verses 4 and 5, we read that in our scriptures. I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. That's a sermon right there. Maybe two. I don't know. I, I wasn't in heaven with, I haven't seen the glory of Jesus before he made the world, but he has something fabulous. He was something glorious, and he is something glorious. Someone glorious. The hour, the time for Christ to die. I know I've mentioned this before in some other sermon some time back, but I had the privilege to be with my granddaddy the last hours of his life several years ago. And I was sitting in his room as he laid in bed, dying. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to him a little bit. I didn't really know what to say. I had hoped he would say something to me, like something important, like something about the heat walls, you know. We were always trying to dig information out of my granddad. Granddad, tell me something about our heritage, our, our background. Tell me about the past. He wouldn't tell us anything. You know, we, we learned hardly anything. I, I, he had great times, or he had a great memory of Alaska when he worked in Alaska. And I'd say, Granddaddy, tell me about Alaska. 
That's what I got. It was the best time of his life, and he wouldn't tell me anything about it. Makes you wonder what he was doing, right? I don't know, but he didn't want to share it with me, and he wouldn't share it with my dad. He wouldn't share it with my brothers. He wouldn't share it with his other children. I wanted to know more about my grandfather. Tell me more. I, I want to learn more. Because his hour was up. And that hour came, and an hour went. And so much was lost in our family background and heritage that I will never know, most likely. Because he didn't reveal things to us. His hour came. It was sad. My dad's hour came, and I wasn't there, and that was sad. Jesus' hour is coming, and he's going to die, and it was sad. But yet he said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. We know this verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just like Jesus has eternal life. We know he raised from the dead, right? Do this. Wait. Do this. Okay. Hmm. Do this. You believe it? All right. I'm just checking on you, see if you're still with me. I know it's Sunday night. Uh, some of you didn't get your nap like me. And some of you are thinking about football games that are going on. You're wondering, who's winning? Don't look at your phone. You know? If you look at your phone, look at the Scripture. Look at Jesus, because tonight we're talking about the prayer of Jesus and what Jesus says. His time has come, and He's got some important things to do. And He's been teaching them from the, from the time they're together at the Lord's Supper. He's been teaching them and teaching them and teaching them. When you look at this scripture in Matthew or chapter or in Luke, they're just little sections of scripture, those last hours. In John, it's like chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17. Five chapters that John talks about those last hours before he went to the cross, before he was taken captive. So he says this. Jesus spoke these things. His hour has come. He wants to glorify. He, God, he wants God to glorify Him so that He would glorify the Father. He glorifies Him by doing the work that God gave Him to do. He accomplished it. Verse 4, I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you gave, have given me to do. So Jesus uh, is talking about eternal life, that we can have that. Before I talk about eternal life, I just want to talk about the glory again, just for a minute. When we pray, what are we praying for? You know, Jesus gives us an example of how he prayed to the Father. And it's all about, I want God to be glorified. That's something to think about in our prayers. Are our prayers, do they have the aim, the ultimate aim, that God is to be glorified through what we are praying for? Or is it simply because I need this, or I want to go to camp, or I want to do this, or I want to do that? See, Jesus wanted God to be glorified and honored. You know, I'm into sports uh, a little more than George is, and 
And George talked this morning, he's not really that much about into sports. I'm into sports, and, and right now my phone's keeping track of my fantasy foot. Oh, that's not my phone. My fantasy football team that's getting pounded, uh, and I'm losing. Oh, I can't, you don't care about that. But, but I, remember, I think about sports, and I think about people that do a great play. You know, they catch the pass in the end zone, and, and then they, they spike the ball, and then they do their, little, you know, their dance. They, there's all kinds of dances that they do. And it's, it's aggravating. I like it when the guy scores a touchdown in business-like fashion. He gives the ball to the referee, and then he goes and rejoices with his friends. And he pats the lineman on the back because he made it possible. He shares the glory. He wants them to have the glory. It's not about, I did this. Look at me. And so much of sports, we see that. Look what I did. You know, Superman pose and all that kind of stuff. Look at me. Glorify me. Jesus wanted to glorify the Father. But he too is deserving of all the glory. So when God talks about eternal life, or Jesus talks about eternal life, he's talking about an eternal existence. And life is the highest quality of living in the presence of God. You see, there's another eternal life, but it's not really living, right? Doesn't the Bible talk about an eternity for those who are not in Christ? Is that not correct? And that would be an eternal existence with Satan, with the devil, and his angels. And that is not considered eternal life. That is considered eternal damnation and death. Jesus does not want us to go there, folks. He wants us to go to heaven. That's what it's all about. John 3.16, that's why he came. By the way, that's what John's gospel is all about. That's what First John, the letter of 1 John is all about. We'll talk about that briefly in a minute. So eternal life is to live continually in the joys of our Father, our Master, in the presence of His holiness, His grandeur. And I don't know what that's all going to be like, but I know it's got to be better than being with Satan. And that is put in very mildly. Jesus said, if you want eternal life, you need to know God and the Son. Seems simple. How many of you know some facts about God? You know, well, he's omnipotent, he's all-knowing, He's all-powerful. He created the world. Uh, We have a lot of facts about God, and and we have some stories about what God did or what God said, you know. um, Gave the Ten Commandments. We know a lot of those stories. But knowing is more than knowing facts and more than knowing stories. It's experiencing God in a relationship way. It's having fellowship with Him. The only true God. The only true God, Isaiah 44, 6 said this, I am the first and I am the last and there is no God besides me. I like what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 17, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only true God, the honor and glory forever and ever. And Jesus said, if you want to have eternal life, you need to know this God. Really know Him. 
you know, we, we have Bible classes that help us learn to know God and learn to know Jesus. If you don't go to Bible classes, we encourage you to do that. But that's not the only place. You can study your own Bibles. But we have to spend time with Him. Talking to Him. Praying to Him. Letting Him speak to us with the Word. The only true God, 1 John 5.20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. You see how it fits together? The same things that John wrote in John the Gospel, we see a lot of it in John's epistles. You see, He knew the true God. So it's essential for us to have eternal life to know, truly know Him. Peter wrote, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. So it's possible to learn to know more. You may say, well, I've been in the church for, you know, 60 years. I don't need to read my Bible too much. I know it all. And we need to keep studying and keep learning. If God is really our friend, we want to spend time with Him. I need to spend more time with Him. You know, in this congregation, we, we're, we're supposed to love one another. And it takes, we have to, to love one another takes time. It takes effort. And we don't all treat each other exactly the same. We don't spend the same amount of time with everybody. It's impossible to do that. We understand those limitations. For you to really get to know me is not going to be your eternal life. It may be a blessing. It may be a curse. I don't know. But for us to really know Jesus, we know the benefits of that. God promised, if you really know me, you will inherit eternal life because you will obey my commandments. That's all part of what we see in John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus said that more than once. The foremost commandment, of course, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And this, this kind of love takes effort. And it's something that you've got to keep working on. If you've been baptized into Christ, and if you remember that moment, please go back there with me in your mind, the time that you were baptized. And when you came up out of the water, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? Oh, so refreshing. So alive. So forgiven. So renewed. I have hope. I have real joy. I had tears. I had crying. I was thankful. Because I've been rescued out of the darkness into His marvelous light. But that did not mean I knew everything about my God. My knowledge was just learnt starting. Once you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you're done. It's like, I'm saved. Woohoo! It's going my way. You see, God wants faithfulness. He wants us to grow in our relationship with Him. So we are comfortable 
with God, comfortable knowing him and being his child. The Gospel of John and the letter of 1 John tell us the purpose of the writing. It's on the screen. John 20, 30 and 31, John wrote, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. 1 John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Oops, that's not mine. Question. Do you know you have eternal life? Right now. Do you have that confidence that your relationship to God is is not just based on your heart and your emotion and your want to, but based on the fact that you love Him by keeping His commandments. That you, you have proven your love because you say, I'm yours, please forgive me. You know, I, I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. I want to be baptized into you for the forgiveness of my sins. Please wash my sins away. They're killing me. Literally and spiritually. For eternity. Unless we let the blood of Jesus wash it away. Where are you at this evening? As I said, this lesson is too big for to go on and on. I started this lesson and I got sideways going all over the place. And, and you can find all these things about glorification and, and, and the unity of God and all this. It's in the prayer and it's all through the book of John. It's in the First John, it's just all over, and it's just thick, and it's just like tentacles out there just saying, you need to know this stuff. It is your life. Hook on to the vine, and you will be safe. I'll take you home. I'll be there for you. i got a place prepared for you, he said in John chapter 14. If you're not ready, I want you to know Jesus is ready for you. He's got a place for you. And he wants you to be home with him. And he'll make it possible. It's going to be a whole lot better destination than my camp was in the Colorado Rockies. Because up there, we'll have everything we need. And it's not going to be that Keith, Keith gets all the snacks and I don't. I know it's not going to be that way. In heaven, I get the snacks too, Keith. Whatever those snacks may be. Chicken fried steak, I don't know. But I believe it's going to be awesome. Friends, we need to pray with expectation that God's going to work in our lives and our hearts. He'll help us to make it home. Let's pray for each other with God's glory in mind. Let's be more like Jesus in our prayer life, seeking his kingdom and salvation, being utmost, the utmost importance in anybody's life. If you have any need to come forward, let us know as we stand and sing.